Today is uh, Palm Sunday, and uh, which means we're entering Holy Week, and that is a uh, um, has always been a very special time uh, in the church. And I've never felt like we've needed Holy Week more uh, than this year. And, and in some ways, I've, I've never felt more attached to Holy Week. You know, Holy Week kind of gets wrapped up in all the busyness of life and. And things happen, and you know, all of a sudden it's Palm Sunday, and the next week it's Easter, and I'm, I, I kind of missed it. Um, this year, I think it's going to be a little different. I, I, I feel like this is what we really need. And so my challenge today, and we're going to spend some time in Scripture here in a second, but my challenge today is that you encounter Holy Week. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. I'm going to share them now, and I'm going to share them later. Uh, we've got our daily readings. We're going to be spending each day looking at a passage that, that co- coincides with what, what was happening in Jesus' life during Holy Week. And then also Alyssa at 7 a.m. on Facebook Live uh, is going to be reading those similar passages, the same passages from the Book of Common Prayer for Ordinary Radicals, and I encourage you to engage that way as well uh, as we experience Holy Week. Uh, so today starts with Palm Sunday, and uh, we've got a, a few palms here uh, underneath our communion that we'll be sharing in a little bit. And before we get to uh, uh, Palm Sunday, though, I want to tell us the story that happens before it. Um, Palm uh, Sunday shows up in a variety of Gospels, but it's really the Gospel of John that specifically mentions the people holding palm branches when Jesus enters Jerusalem. The whole story of Jesus ending up on the cross and rising again happens because Jesus first goes to Jerusalem. And it's a very epic story of Jesus getting to Jerusalem and entering Jerusalem. And when he enters Jerusalem, the people who were gathered there were so excited that Jesus, the miracle worker, had come to meet them and to heal them and to be their Messiah, that they were waving palm branches. Many consider the palm branch at that time to be maybe sort of similar to like waving our, our flag. You know, the palm branch, easy to get. They grew a lot of places, and it was kind of a national symbol for Israel. And so it was a political statement of Jesus entering uh, in the way in which people would praise him singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. So you can read that story in John chapter 12, starting with verse 12. But before we get there, I want to go just one chapter back to the story Uh, that happens before Jesus enters Jerusalem in uh, John chapter 11. So I'm not going to have the scripture passages on the screen today because I'm going to be covering a lot of ground and I encourage you to kind of just follow along. Uh, There is a Bible app on the online church if you want to go there or you can use your paper Bible. That's what I prefer um, a lot of times, but I encourage you to follow along. If not, listen as we kind of move through John chapter 11, John chapter 11. So this is near the end of Jesus' ministry, and here's what happens. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So here's what we need to know. This family, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they were people Jesus knew. He had met them before. Um, And this is important for this story and where we're going with Palm Sunday and where we're going with Holy Week. All of this sets up the story. This was two people that Jesus knew. And not only did he know, but he had a really intimate relationship with. Here, Going on, verse uh, 3, it says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They didn't even refer to Lazarus by name, but rather the one you love is sick. The one you love. 
This was, explains the relationship that Jesus had with this particular family. There was an intimacy, a, a, a history. He, they were friends. Well, his friend is sick. So when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. He says, this sickness will not end in death. Not, uh, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, here once again, the story is being set up. He tells them from the beginning that Lazarus' sickness won't end in death. This story that we're getting into is the story of Holy Week. That's what we're going to see. Because here's the thing. The story of Holy Week doesn't end in death. But here's the funny thing, and this is the truth about life in general. There's a deep principle here is, is the story doesn't end in death. That doesn't mean the story doesn't involve death. See, Holy Week with Jesus, it doesn't end in death. But it doesn't mean that Good Friday doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that death isn't involved, that there isn't suffering and pain and deep sacrifice. No, Lazarus' story wouldn't end in death. But Jesus isn't saying that death wouldn't be involved. So he goes on, he says, uh, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So once again, you got to understand, Jesus had a special relationship with them. That's verse 5. Verse 6 says this. So when they heard that Lazarus was sick and he stayed... Uh, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, which I find kind of funny that we just learned over and over again they keep repeating themselves that they were really close friends and so as soon as he hears that his friend is sick jesus is like well i'm going to stay two more days but here's what's really happening um jesus probably shouldn't have gone at all which is why he waited two days um he says after that he says then he says to his disciples he says let's go back to judea and this is what they say but rabbi they said a short while ago um they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and you are going back. So there's some history. Jesus was not safe in the area around Jerusalem. Bethany, where, where the, they lived, was close to Jerusalem. Last time he was there, uh, he had gotten into a lot of trouble. The, the religious rulers, that was the center of their power, and they weren't huge fans of Jesus. And so to go back to that place would put Jesus' life at risk. Ultimately, it would be a risk that would lead to his execution, um, that's how serious this was. In fact, he goes on and he talks to his disciples. He says, no, we're going to go anyway. Um, uh, we're, this is what we're supposed to do. We're going to go see Lazarus. And ultimately, I'm going I'm to go into Jerusalem. And, and, and he already told them what's going to happen. They'd be arrested and beaten and, and then eventually hang on a cross. And then he says, uh, um, he, says, uh, he says that Lazarus is actually dead already. This goes in verse 14. And he says, but I'm glad for, uh, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe but let's go to him. And then I love this. Thomas the doubter, he's later known as the doubter. He, he wanted to see it for himself. Um, he says this to the rest of the disciples. And it's one of these like bold moments for Thomas. He says, all right, well, let us all go that we may die with him. You know, he's like, that's how serious this was. Going into that region for Jesus would mean death. And, and at this point, Thomas is like, all right, we're all going to die. Let's go do it. Let's charge into this journey. Um, well, that's not how the story ends, and we're not going to get there today, but that's where Thomas was at this point. So he goes, and uh, he arrives to Bethany, which is about two miles. Read in verse 17. It's about two miles from Jerusalem, and what had happened was a lot of— Lazarus was this guy that people loved. Um, that's probably why Jesus loved him. He was just really—well, Jesus loves everybody, but he had a special relationship with Lazarus. And, and um, so many Jews from the Jerusalem area loved him as well, and so they all gather around. You read that in verse uh, 18 and 19— and they, many, many different people had come around and had surrounded Lazarus. So I want to skip ahead to the story. What happens is Jesus interacts with Mary and Martha, 
And, uh, and eventually they all kind of go out to find Jesus who is outside the city and they meet up with him and Jesus sees them coming. He sees Mary, he sees uh, Martha, and then he sees all of his friends, all of Lazarus's friends coming uh, to Jesus, hoping that Jesus might do something and, and wondering why Jesus didn't do something before Lazarus died because at this point he'd been dead for a couple of days. And so he gathers, they're all coming and Jesus looks at them and he sees them. It says this in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in the Bible simply reads, Jesus wept. Pay attention to the next verse, verse 36. Then the Jews said, See how... He loved them. See how he loved him. Jesus goes on in this story. Lazarus is in a tomb similar to what Jesus would be in a little bit. It even had a stone that had to be rolled away similar to Jesus. We're meant to prepare our hearts as the story is being told for Holy Week, for what is going to happen on Good Friday and eventually Easter. This is Lazarus' story Jesus tells him to roll the stone back and Lazarus comes out and he's alive. And, and the craziest thing happens, friends. He becomes even more famous. All of these Jews from Jerusalem that loved Lazarus were there and they saw it happen. Up to this point, a lot of Jesus' miracles were, were kept under wraps. He raised a girl from the dead. Uh, we looked at that a couple weeks ago and he made everyone leave the room and, and he told them to not tell anyone and he even said that she wasn't dead. She was just sleeping to try to kind of minimize it because if they found out there was someone in Jerusalem who could do that kind of miracle, I mean, there was no telling what people would do to get their hands on him. They wanted a Messiah to overthrow the Romans. And now all of a sudden they had someone who could raise someone from the dead. The Jews were so excited, so much so, in a region that was already hostile to Jerusalem, that the leaders say, this is no good. Verse 45, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. And in this meeting, they say, Jesus is going to have to go. He becomes so famous and they're afraid, so powerful, that they're going to have to get rid of him. He even says that, that Jesus is going to have to die in order for Israel to be saved. They don't, they don't realize what they're saying they're thinking politically. They're like, Romans are going to get mad because they were letting this Jesus Messiah do all of these things. So we need to kill him in order to save our nation. The reality is, is he would die and Israel and the whole world would be saved as well. But they say that in the coming verses. Well, it's almost time then for the Jewish Passover. And you have to kind of think of like Christmas, but the only place you could celebrate it would be in Bethlehem, which is actually pretty busy now uh, around Christmas time. A lot of people pilgrimage to Bethlehem. But the Passover is like, you really want to celebrate the Passover, you, you had to go to Jerusalem. So it's just packed, all these people. And they're all asking the same question. They're wondering whether Jesus is going to show up for Passover. Well, he's going to come to this festival. And they're looking for him. You see that in verse 56 of chapter 11. And, and then in chapter 12, Jesus is anointed. We'll skip over that all the way to chapter 12, verse 12, where Jesus enters Jerusalem. And all of this has been building. 
all of this hype and energy and Jesus's fame and everyone's throwing palm branches. They're waving their national flag. They're laying down their coats as a, as sort of like a red carpet for Jesus. They're saying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. He had never been more famous than when he rose Lazarus from the dead. But here's what I want to say. I say all of that to make this one point. Jesus, people were really impressed with Jesus because of his ability, his power, and his miracles. But there's only one time in this whole story, in these two chapters, where people looked at Jesus and said, wow, this guy really knows how to love. And here's the thing you need to know. When, Jesus, when, when God wrote the New Testament and he, and he spoke through the, the, the writer of 1 John and tried to define God uh, it, with one word, it says God is love. And when Paul talks about all of the things that we can focus our attention on, he says love is the greatest of all of them. He goes this beautiful litany in 1 Corinthians 13, love is the greatest. And in this story, in these two chapters, there's only one place where we see people look at Jesus and say, wow, Jesus really knew how to love. And it goes back in verse, chapter 11 where it simply says this. Jesus saw them, he saw them hurting, and he cried. Jesus wept. And it was in that moment that the Jews watching said, wow, he really must have loved him. Here's the Holy Week story. We see it here before we even get to Holy Week. It's simply this. Our story doesn't end in death. Our story ends in resurrection. That's Easter. God will make all things right. But even in Lazarus' story where Jesus knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead, he knew. He had already told them he was going to. Lazarus' story wasn't going to end in death. He told them that even though Jesus knew that, he felt what the people were feeling and he cried alongside them. And that's when we knew that Jesus loved them. Here's what we know about God. God didn't just come to die and rise again. That's where the story ends. That, that's the most, maybe the most important part. That's where God's power is revealed. That's where we're made new. And it's a powerful story. We're going to get to that uh, this week and into Easter. But, but God didn't just do that. God also came to feel what we felt. It's possible, friends, to be as Christians, to have confidence in God and say, I know where this is headed, and to still grieve before you get there. Jesus did. It's possible, you know, as we think about the world we live in, as we think about all the ways in which I feel like our lives are at times falling apart, and we could say, you know what, God, I know that, that not even death will be the end of my story, that no matter what happens, there is hope, that I can't be, I, I know that, but that doesn't mean that I'm less spiritual to be grieving right now. Honestly, friends, there's probably many of you, and you don't know it, that's what you're doing. You're grieving. There's some pretty smart people who put together the grieving process, the story of the ways in which we process hard things. I, I wrote them down and put some notes. I'm not an expert on it, but uh, according to um, uh, a number of people smarter than me, there's, this is the process. It starts out with denial. You know, this avoidance, confusion, shock, fear. You know, I think we all started there uh, with this pandemic. It sometimes transitions to anger, things like frustration and anxiety. Maybe that's where you're at. 
It goes on to bargaining, this sort of struggle for meaning and reaching out and trying to, I'm not an expert on this, but these are some of the the thoughts. It it can move to depression, this sort of feeling of being overwhelmed or helpless or hostility, but but ultimately we want it to move towards acceptance and exploring options and moving on. And I think in some ways that's the story of Holy Week. We know that, that in the end of it, God will make things new, but in the process, we're feeling a lot of things. And here's what I want you to tell you, I want to tell you. God's feeling those things too. God knows what's going on, and and God doesn't need you to rush to Easter. God's willing to sit with you on the journey that it takes to get there. One of my new favorite books is a children's book. I found it uh, at the library, read it to Finn, and it kind of blew my mind. It's called The Rabbit Listened. The Rabbit Listened. I want to read it to you. It it captures this story that we are looking at in Holy Week and Lazarus' story and what it means to to start by weeping and end by, uh, by the resurrection. And, and um, I want to read it to you, and uh, hopefully it'll connect with you like it, uh, like, like it has uh, with me. Here it is, The Rabbit Who Listened by uh, Corey Dorfield. One day, Taylor decided to build something, something new. Something special. Something amazing. Taylor was so proud. But then, out of nowhere, things came crashing down. We know what this feels like. The chicken was the first to notice. Clock, clock, what a shame. I'm so sorry, sorry this happened. Let's talk, talk, talk about it. Clock, clock. But Taylor didn't feel like talking, so the chicken left. Next came the bear. How horrible! I bet you feel so angry. Let's shout about it. But Taylor didn't feel like shouting. So the bear left. The elephant knew just what to do. Trump did, I can fix this. Just remember exactly the way things were. But Taylor didn't feel like remembering. So the elephant left. One by one they came. The hyena, hee hee, let's laugh about it. The ostrich, gulp, let's hide and pretend nothing happened. The kangaroo, tiss tiss, what a mess, let's throw it all away. And the snake, shh, let's knock down someone else's. Taylor didn't feel like doing anything with anybody. So eventually they all left. Until Taylor was alone. In the quiet, Taylor didn't even notice the rabbit, but it moved closer and closer until Taylor could feel its warm body. Together they sat in silence until Taylor said, please stay with me. The rabbit listened. The rabbit listened as Taylor talked. The rabbit listened as Taylor shouted. The rabbit listened as Taylor remembered 
and laughed. The rabbit listened to Taylor's plans to hide, to throw everything away, to ruin things for someone else. Through it all, the rabbit never left. And when the time was right, the rabbit listened to Taylor's plan to build again. I can't wait, said Taylor. It's going to be amazing. That's the story of resurrection. And that's what it looks like to sit with each other when we haven't reached that story yet. And all the ups and downs, what it means to sit and listen and to be available. Friends, I challenge you this week, call someone or send them a text and listen. Ask them how they're doing. Let them be honest. That's what we need. We know God will take care of us. We, I mean, I believe that. I, uh, even in the midst of all my doubts and fears, I, I trust that God will take care of us. But before we get there, let's be like God. And be with one another. It was when Jesus was with his disciples that he took the bread and the cup. I encourage you, if you have some, you can break it out now as well. He broke the bread and he offered it to his disciples and he said to them, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Before Easter ever came, Jesus would hang on a cross. He would suffer and die and the world would never be the same. And he invites us on that same journey. This week, especially, where we share in his body and his blood, where we share in his sacrifice, where we follow Jesus in the way we love one another. I invite you now to prepare your elements. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we ask that you would fall, your Holy Spirit would fall on us. Wherever we find ourselves, um, we trust that your Holy Spirit is already present and that you would fall in these gifts of bread and juice or whatever that happens to be at each of our tables, that you would bless them and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. We give you thanks. Meet us in this holy moment. Amen.